I'm going to turn it over to the expert on relationship, Dr. Ann. Oh, thank you so much, and good morning. And I want to welcome all the listeners to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. I am one of those nice people from Northern California, and it is really hazy here, by the way. So I'm a licensed psychologist and author, and I'm hoping that this new radio program engages all of us in new ways of thinking and in how we do relationships. I hope it's challenging, I hope it's informative, and I hope it meets all of your needs and piques your interest. We have many, many interesting guests scheduled, and today we have one of those. And I also want this program to be friendly to all of the listeners. If you have suggestions about relationship radio, or if you'd like to request feedback on a situation you're experiencing, please send me your requests and questions to www.annshebert.com backslash questions backslash. So I believe that relationship issues are the seed of any problem we have. From the day we're born, relationships form how we think about ourselves and how we interact with others and how we enter into or get out of romance. Boy, there's a big one. Relationships define our school experiences, and they explain our work schedules and struggles. And yet, greater than that, relationships are at the heart of our being. If you talk to yourself in a negative way, for example, or in a positive manner, whatever words you say to yourself, you learn from a relationship. For example, and I do this with all my patients, if you tell yourself you're not good enough or not as talented as other people are, what did you learn from that, and where did you learn it, more importantly? You certainly are not born with that thought, because we're not born with any of those thoughts. You learned it from somewhere. So Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio's goal is to help us think in new ways that lead to more happiness, satisfaction, and self-esteem. And I want to welcome all of you listeners, and I look forward to interaction with you. Occasionally, I will start the program with what I call a hot topic, and today's hot topic is about Thanksgiving. Can you believe that tomorrow is Thanksgiving? I can't. I don't know where the year went. What are your thoughts and feelings about Thanksgiving? Has it historically been a happy day for you, or have your memories of this holiday been filled with sadness and resentment and even fear? Whatever your experience has been about Thanksgiving, you get to choose how you create tomorrow. So tomorrow is a day of thanks, the day that we think about, well, how can I be happy and how can I help my children and my spouse or my partner get through the day in a happy way? And if you have no idea about how to create a wonderful Thanksgiving, we have some hot tips for you. And part of my day of thanks will be thinking about how grateful I am to welcome our very first guest on Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. Oh, my gosh, I'm so honored to have her. She holds two master's degrees. She's the author of the book called 15 Keys to Effective Communication, Building Strong Parent-Child Relationships, which is currently available on Amazon, by the way. And she's the founder of Authentic Parenting, which is a free podcast for parents to learn about so many timely topics. If I named them all, we wouldn't have time to talk to her, but all I can say is I wish I had Anna 
Seawald in my corner when I was raising my three children who brought many problems to me. So welcome, Anna. I'm so happy to have you as this program's very first guest, and thank you for joining us this morning. As I just mentioned, you are a parenting coach, founder of a weekly podcast, Authentic Parenting, an author, a teacher, and an international speaker. And um, first of all, I want to talk about you being a parenting coach. Tell us a bit about this, uh, what it means, and how you become a parenting coach. Thank you for having me. Good morning, everyone. I am pleased and very honored to be here today. Yes, I am a parent educator today, uh, but I started my career as an educator, as a psychologist, uh, working with children. For nearly 18 years, I've worked in different education settings. I've also worked extensively in a correctional facility for juvenile delinquents, and um, all that work experience with children was very fulfilling. That was my dream as a child to work with children. Uh, however, when I became a mom for the first time 10 years ago, uh, my perspective shifted on a lot of things, uh, and I realized that it's parents who need help and support. And uh, so I directed my focus on helping parents and my mission is still helping children by helping parents, providing support, knowledge, education, research-based strategies, and new ideas, uh, and emotional support, most importantly, for parents to be their best. Boy, could I, as I said earlier, could I have used your help when I was raising my three. And you're also the founder of Authentic Parenting. Exactly what is that? Uh, authentic parenting, first and foremost, is a philosophy of how to parent, but it's also my private practice here uh, where I am in New Jersey, where I work with parents. It's also the name of a Facebook community that, that I hold uh, for you know people who want to learn and grow. It's the name of the podcast. It's everything that I do is under the name Authentic Parenting. But first and foremost, it's my private practice and a philosophy. Um, and if you want, I can tell you a little bit about the philosophy, what it entails uh, in just a few words. That. Yes, it's, uh, it's about moving away from the traditional way of parenting and using all the neuroscience-based, research-based knowledge and information and applying to today's parenting. We know so much from research. Um, but authentic parenting basically is connecting to your authentic self as a parent, uncovering who you are uh, because as a result of trauma, adversity, or life circumstances, we know that we can lose touch with our own authentic selves. Uh, and when we become parents, our children are born already whole and complete and authentic. Uh, and parenting can be triggering and all our emotional baggage may surface if we haven't processed or, or dealt with our own issues from our past. So by resolving our own issues and connecting to our own selves, we will be able to connect and support our children on this process of self-discovery. Well, 
as a person who works in an emergency department, as a psychologist, like I do, I have to totally agree with you. I see so many children and young adults and teenagers in the emergency department who um, real whose real issue is how they were raised and what their parents' unresolved issues were. So thank you for doing that. And when is your podcast on, Anna? The podcast is also uh, about the same topic. The podcast provides ideas and strategies for personal development in the context of parenting. It's not a how-to potty train your toddler in five days type of podcast. (laughs) It's it's more of a support for the parent as an individual. Uh, It has a trauma-focused lens, and we talk about everything from healing your trauma, your wounds, and connecting to your authentic self, your emotions. Right now I'm running series on emotions and dissecting anger, fear, boredom, um, and all the scope of, of, of that. So it, it's been a pretty fascinating journey for the past three years. I have interviewed so many wonderful thought leaders and best-selling authors, including yourself. Oh, well, thank you. So um, you're also the author of a book that I mentioned. Would you tell us a a little bit about your book, 15 Keys to Effective Communication, Building Strong Parent-Child Relationships, and maybe our listeners can have what you say in writing if they get your book. As you know, communication is a big part of any relationship, including parent-child relationships. The way we speak to our children, what tone we use, what words we use. As Peggy O'Meara said, the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. And my mission with this little book was to give practical strategies to parents who want to improve their communication with their children. Because let's face it, sometimes when we are triggered, when we're in the heat of the moment, you hear your own parents' voice and words coming out of your own mouth. Um, and all the old programming sort of surfaces. And so my mission was to provide some practical guidelines. It's a guidebook for parents what to say when they are angry. What's the difference between a command and a request? You know, what's the role of communication and connection in parenting? Because your words can empower someone or disempower. They can tear someone apart or build someone up. And we all have experiences that we can look back and say, uh, for example, my high school teacher, my history teacher once said something to me, and that changed my life completely, right? One sentence. And just give you so much hope. Yes. We have to take a break, and I want you to hold that thought, and we will be back in a minute. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. 
they can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. I want to take this opportunity to invite everyone to tune in tomorrow at 11 o'clock for a very special message from Pastor Jack Wright from Paradise, California. This is very important, and I hope everybody will tune in and listen to uh, what a message that will be very special and will be touching to your heart on this Thanksgiving Day. We'll be back with Dr. Ann in just a few minutes. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Anna, welcome back. I want to pick up where we left off because I just had a comment as you were speaking about when I was pregnant with my first child, I had some thoughts about, I will never say this and that to my child like my mother and father said to me, and I will never be a parent like that, and guess what happened? Their verbs and words... Yeah, they came right out of my mouth, and I went, oh, my God, there I am being my own mother or dad. So could you pick up on that? Yes, it's hard to change, isn't it? Because as you mentioned, relationships, especially our first relationships with our parents in our home environment, completely shape who we become. And, And if you hear constantly that same type of language, let's say negative language or abusive language or even um, limiting beliefs about money or the world, you internalize those. They become yours. And it takes a lot of effort and intention in breaking those old patterns and rewiring your brain and learning new skills. It's possible. Well, I think it's important that all of us parents remember that whatever we say to our children and however we treat them, we are programming their future. Yes, I know it's a scary thought, but I hope we will be more responsible rather than scared. (laughs) Yes, yes. I think, well, hopefully this will help a lot of people. So, Anna, you're also an international speaker, and I'm curious about what kind of topics you address. I address many topics relating to parenting, but particularly for the past two years, I've been speaking about two subjects. Uh, When I speak to educators, to early educators particularly, the topic I cover is we need to change the way we look at behavior and change the way we approach children's challenging behavior. And I want people to move away from old behavioral paradigm into a more developmental paradigm and focus on building relationships with the children that they work with 
and use the power of their relationship and teach children new, more effective skills because it's all about building new skills. If children knew better, they would behave better. Uh, as a society, we sort of focus on achievement, academics, performance, and good behavior, and we lose sight of the whole child. So the focus of my talks with educators has been that there is more to behavior than meets the eye. Behavior is a communication, and I uh, teach them the four buckets of my framework of the underlying root causes of so-called misbehavior. And I challenge people to view all challenging behaviors differently, uh, understand where they're coming from, and help children learn and grow. Can and you think with of parents, a, yes. Can you think and of an another, example for us? Of course, yes. Let's say a little boy who is four years old uh, is hitting another child with a toy. They both want to play with the same toy, but they don't know how to communicate, right? Uh, I want the same toy as you do, and I ask you perhaps, or I don't. I try to take it away. You don't give it to me, and oops, I take another toy, and I hit you with that toy. Well, in most situations, people will punish this particular child or use a behavioral chart to put him on a red color or remove the child from this situation, hoping that this behavior will disappear. What I invite people, parents, educators to do is to first identify why this is happening, what skill is this child lacking in the moment, how can I teach that skill best so that this child will learn that skill and use in the future. Instead of separating the two kids, maybe we can use this opportunity and help them resolve the situation. Do a do-over, for example, right? Give the toy back to the child and say, can you please ask kindly how to use, you know, the toy? Or if the child doesn't have appropriate language, we can give him a little script, a little help. Uh, this way it's more positive, it's skill-building, it's empowering. The child doesn't feel like... He's a bad kid. He did something wrong. Uh, because let's face it, we all make mistakes. And if I don't know how to drive, uh, no matter what, I know how long you know, no matter what you say, if you punish me or if you yell at me, or I'm not going to learn that skill, right? So that's the main premise. That's just amazing. I wish I wish I had time to do that as a parent. That takes a lot of time. And uh, do you have any tips about how that can be quickly done? It would be. It is quickly done. It takes the same amount of time as reprimanding the child, or uh, uh, haranguing the child, criticizing the child, or expecting the, the behavior to change on its own. And that behavior may show up again and again because the skill is not learned. Whereas if you take a little bit of time now and teach the child what this child needs, the likelihood is that behavior in the long run will not show up again, and so that saves us a lot of time. Uh, yes, parenting is a tedious, rep repetitious, emotionally draining job, um, but we are shaping the future, right? Our children are our future, 
and we have this immense responsibility and privilege of shaping the future. So I think we need to take it responsibly and do our job the best that we can. I could not agree more, although I can't say that I did that all the time. So the other topic I want to talk to, talk about or ask you about is I know that you're an expert on creating a calm home. Now, my kids did not grow up in a calm home. I wish they had. So does that mean no screaming kids and no sibling rivalry? What does that mean by creating a calm home? Creating a calm home means no screaming parents, no yelling parents. <laughs> I, I want to support the parents. Uh, I think if we equip parents with knowledge and new skills um, and, and they are well equipped and they understand where their shortcomings come from and they replace the old programming with new wiring, a lot can change because no child wants to be in an environment where parents are yelling. It's unpleasant and it's unpleasant for the parent who is yelling, right? You feel guilty afterwards. Um, but there are a lot of tools and techniques. And what I talk to parents uh, most of the time is the reason we yell is our stress response is on all the time because we live in this modern society, fast-paced, accelerated, go, 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 do, do, do. Um, and we don't have time to decompress. We don't have time for downtime. We're always on high alert. So we're always putting out fires, and we know parenting is a demanding job. Most parents do it alone with no support, and when your nervous system is overwhelmed already with a lot of demands that come from all parts of your life, when your child is innocently asking, Mommy, can we bake cupcakes? You don't have the patience or the inner resources to say, of course we can. You yell because... That's just too many demands. That's the last straw um, upon you. So what I talk to parents a lot is to identify where their stress comes from, try to minimize, eliminate the stressors uh, because we can reduce and start to manage your stress, uh, your day-to-day -day stress so that you can have inner resources, right? Let's say your phone has a battery life. Same as us, we have limited internal resources. Uh, if you don't have something, you can't give it to your children. So a lot of parents start to yell and resent and feel angry, uh, partly because of elevated stress levels. So I have three little kids two years apart, and I spent a lot of my parenting time breaking up arguments. And what they taught us in my day, which dates myself, is that everybody gets into their own room and then you can't figure out who started it because always the other person started it. So you punish them all and you give them a timeout. That never worked for me. Do you have any feedback on how us parents could deal with sibling rivalry? Yes. And I have done a really good podcast episode and an in-depth coverage of sibling rivalry, which is a very big topic a lot of parents face, right? Number one, I would say. Again, you need to remember, if you separate the kids who are fighting, 
uh, over something, if you put them in their rooms or punish, you just press a pause button uh, temporarily. Uh, whatever the hurdle, whatever the roadblock that they are facing is going to come back. Well, in some cases, parents need to let go, right? If it's not an emergency, if it's not a serious matter, siblings are going to fight. So you need to determine when to interfere as a parent, when to let it go, and when to let children solve it among themselves. However, when the same type of issue keeps showing up, the same type of pattern, let's say sharing or taking turns type of issue, that means children don't have the capacity to resolve it on their own. So parental involvement is necessary as a facilitator, as a coach in the moment, not as a policeman or who did this first, you did it. That's not our job because that will never yield good results. We're not here to catch someone. We're here to teach teach them skills that they lack, right? The long-term goal is our, um, it should be in our mind. Again, you can invite both parties. The parent has to be neutral. Of course, it's difficult because you always want to side up probably with the weaker or the, uh, the person who was not guilty, etc. But parent has to be neutral and act as a passive facilitator, not an active problem solver, because we want children to solve the problem themselves, which is very empowering, and it meets their need for autonomy. And they learn a lesson. Because if a parent says, you know, you do this, you do that, then it's a top-down approach. Children didn't learn anything. But if a parent says, tell me about this. I see that you are battling over X. What solution do you guys see? I know you can find a solution. And so that gives children an opportunity to brainstorm together instead of being rivals. Now let's solve this. And they have great ideas usually, uh, children. And parents can, of course, assist in that process. Boy, I wish I'd known you when I was raising my children. We are going to have to take a break, and we will come back with Anna Seawald. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. So, Anna, I'm going to put this little conversation on hold just for a second because I want to share with the listeners that I live in Northern California, and I cannot tell you what the skies are like, as I said um, at the introduction of our program today. But I want to remind all of our listeners that tomorrow at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, Pastor Jack Wright will be on, and he is coming from those areas in Northern California that have been devastated. So please tune in to that program. Now, back to sibling rivalry, Anna. I think what you just said is amazing, and I played Sherlock Holmes. Like, who did that? Who started that? Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and not having sibling rivalry in our house would be one way to create a calm Thanksgiving. Do you have any ideas on what else we could do to accomplish having a calm Thanksgiving? First, have the intention of having a calm Thanksgiving, right? A lot of times parents can put a lot of pressure on themselves and try to do many things. Know your capabilities. Don't take upon too many things. If you want to cook 10, 10 dishes, maybe cut it down to seven. Ask for help uh, because you're going to be busy as a host and you're going to be overwhelmed by the demands of the day and by the pressure. So hiring help, asking people to bring dishes and not trying to be the person who is pleasing everyone and doing everything by herself, uh, you know, there is no point in that. Uh, as women, we can sort of sacrifice ourselves for the sake of, I did it all by myself, but it's not effective, right? Uh, remembering that our children can be participants as well. This is a holiday of togetherness, of giving thanks, not losing sight of the holiday, uh, you know, is key having that in the forefront of our mind that we're here to celebrate, have fun, enjoy one another, and and be kind toward one another and feel gratitude, appreciation for what we have. Uh, Leave the to-dos, you know, go, 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 do, do, do. Minimize and simplify your menu, your decorations. And don't forget your children, you know. Sometimes we can get busy in the kitchen or uh, decorate the house or prep the house for guests. But our children need our attention as well. I've definitely done this before when I'm in the kitchen doing multiple things and my daughter is, you know, wanting to spend time with me. And she sees mommy frantically running around uh, for just a, a dinner that I don't even enjoy at the end of the day because <laughs> I, I was so busy. I think the key is to have that intention, what it's all about. Minimize and simplify. Don't put extra pressure. Get help if necessary. Involve your children, your teenage children. Communicate expectations also to your children. And, you know, you can say mom's going to be busy uh, for a couple of hours. You go watch some TV, but then we can, you know, do something special together. I think that's key to to a happier, calmer Thanksgiving. Uh, So... Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is that um, I've done a lot of research on how having children has a negative impact on the, uh, 
couple's relationship, the adult couple's relationship. And when I read that statistic, I was sort of shocked because I thought that this was going to be a wonderful um, situation for all adults. So how does creating a calm home affect adult relationships? We're so focused on our kids, and we tend to leave our own adult relationships in the back of the car. What would you say to that? Yes, the relationship sometimes can become strained and people can become estranged from one another if we focus solely on parenting. And again, life is busy, right? With so many demands and work um, and services people do, it becomes challenging to do the relationship. That becomes another chore, another burden on a couple, especially on the person in one of the parties of the couple who is more um, busy, stressed out, overwhelmed, uh, you know, even spending time together watching TV or talking could be challenging because that's like another demand to your nervous system and your system says, no, I I don't want to do this. Again, being intentional about it, recognizing that some of the things in your life are not necessary, cutting down on commitments. A lot of people make commitments out of the sense of pressure, obligation, and guilt. They do volunteer jobs at their workplace. They serve on boards, uh, you know, volunteer at their children's school or church. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but maybe not at this time. If there is too much going on in your life, cut down on commitments so that you can have a relationship with your partner as well. Because the many commitments that you have, you know, you're burning your inner resources, and the people who love you the most or you love the most, you've got nothing for them at the end of the day. I think that begins with this kind of mindset shift and carving out time and spending time together intentionally. Uh, It takes time, right, to build a relationship. Let's say you fell in love, you had that love, but now you have kids relationships are work if we don't work at it uh, it's not going to survive it's like any plant right if you plant a seed and it's growing uh, you need to take care of that plant you can't just neglect and hope that's going to bloom one day i think all relationships are like that we need to attend care and nurture in order to still um you know the full advantage of that relationship one thing I've discovered in my practice and uh, interventions with parents who are having troubles with their little kids or their especially teenagers is that these parents have never sat down when they first met or were talking about having a child and had a discussion about parenting values. And I have been on a lecture circuit, so to speak, about what are your parenting values? Because it seems like if people don't hold those same values, if one believes in corporal punishment and the other thinks that's abhorrent, it doesn't seem like that relationship is going to work out really well. Do you have any thoughts about that? I absolutely agree and support your view, and that's how I start my work with, with any couple who walks into my office. The first thing we do is the values exercise, and people come out of it with big discoveries oftentimes. 
and we talk about parenting goals. Because as you mentioned, when we become parents, we blindly fall into this experience. Uh, I've never met anyone who sat down beforehand and discussed all the logistics of the parenting business. <laughs> Even if you discuss, right, it's very unexpected and full of uncertainties. It's never going to go the way we planned. Um, so we are never prepared for it. And it's two people uh, who come from different backgrounds with different trauma, history, attachment, style, from different backgrounds. It's hard to combine them into one and expect two people to parent the same way. I always say jokingly, you don't have to be on the same page. You need to be in the same book. So your <laughs> general philosophy about life, about spanking, about healthy eating, whatever is your value, you need to share that at least. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be a lot of discord. If people have completely different views, that's a source for conflict, for sure. Um. Well, I've had a lot of uh, adults who are in my office over these kind of problems, as I have said, and it seems like one of them has values. Usually the, the mom has these certain values and that the spouse or partner has other values and the partner doesn't want to change because their value is what they think is the right way to do things. Do you have any feedback on how to resolve that kind of thing? That is just problematical a lot. I'm in charge of getting Yes, for sure. Um, I think change begins with self. That's where my philosophy is. And I have noticed that if in a family one parent changes, learns, new skills, get new information, and finds the parenting support that they need, the dynamic shifts in the household completely. It is never okay to uh, boss around the other party, undermine their parenting or their parenting style, and asking them to learn or change. That's going to fail. Um, we don't need to stay in that position. Well, we can be a team and say, hey, I just discovered this book or this oh, podcast. Um, Why don't we learn yeah, together? That may work. But again, point. every person grows and evolves on a different time schedule. I think it's very individual. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. The mother oh, is willing to learn Let's and change their relationship with their <laughs> child. Oh, yeah, That's beneficial to the children. And the, the other parents may witness the change and want to indirectly also uh, change himself, or Again? that can yeah, yeah, I did. help him yeah. learn something uh, in, in a different way. I've noticed that in my relationship with my daughter, I do certain things, but I never teach my husband how to do things. But he has <laughs> learned some techniques from me, and when I see him use those techniques, it makes me happy because he's learned from me. Uh, I never sat down and taught him the lesson. You know, I lived the lesson. So people around you pick up on those. And first and yeah. foremost, it's a relationship, right? Uh, I think allowing our partners to develop that relationship with their children is key. And historically, 
women have been the caregivers. We are better at it. We're more instinctual. It comes easy and natural to us, the mothering, the parenting. Uh, but we can't just undermine our partners, right? We need to give them time and space to develop their own philosophy, to develop their own skills through trial and error. Um, we we want to come from that perspective of honoring their relationship and staying out of their lane and remaining in our lane because each party is responsible for their relationship with their child. And no matter what kind of relationship that relationship is, it's not up to us to judge and put standards upon it. Anna, we're going to have to break for a minute, and we will come right back with you. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Anna, we're back with you, uh, Anna Seawald. Authentic parenting. I know that you've had some challenges in your own life, and those may have led to some unhappiness and loneliness during the holidays. And I'm wondering how you cope with those emotions during Thanksgiving, especially like tomorrow, that are supposed to be about gratitude. Yeah, that's a difficult one. I, I yes, I have dealt with a lot of difficult emotions, and during holidays, especially. It shows up a lot, um, the loneliness in me, because my family is not here in the United States. Most of my family is uh, abroad, and I can feel very lonely seeing other people happy and celebrating holidays. You know, you always see the positive. You never see the other lonely people. Uh, But what I have done is I don't want to go to that depressing route Uh, I know I can be in dark places. Intentionally, I created for myself a little happiness. My sister-in-law always uh, does the Thanksgiving, and it's great. You know, we all come together, we bring some dishes, and uh, I always make sure that I attend and not sit at home and reflect and be sad. And for people who don't have families, Uh, You know, you can get together with other people. Be the initiator. Don't wait for other people to call you um, because it could be a very depressing, sad time for for people. Um, But there are other people who feel the same way. Maybe be the initiator and create a little Thanksgiving dinner or go out. um, You know, be creative of how you can spend time with people in your community, in your circle. Um, don't wait for other people to call you. That, that would be my suggestion. 
it sounds like you have really focused on how to recreate your holidays for yourself so that you don't hang out in that place of depression and loneliness. During Christmas time also, this shows up for me. And what I have done is I invite my neighbors. Uh, there are, you know, there is a woman who is very lonely. She lost her parents. And she doesn't even celebrate Christmas. <laughs> but oh. I invite her for dinner because it's good for all of us to connect, to share a meal, to talk about different things. So we need to be open to experiences, you know, invite people in and be open for people to invite us. And oftentimes we need to be the initiator, you know. In most cases that's what I found, that I create those experiences that I want to feel. That's so interesting. I wish more people would have the initiative to do that, and it seems like it's easier maybe for many to sit home alone waiting for the day to pass. So I hope they really filter your feedback and your ideas and create a lovely day for themselves. Now, Anna, I'm also wondering, how did your own experience lead to the creation of your podcast, Authentic Parenting? The the creation of the podcast, I wanted to create something for parents for free, a resource so that they can trust and learn from it. And so I created the podcast three years ago, and of course it has grown uh, as just like any other project we create. You know, you never know where it's going. I've been very blessed having the opportunity to create and bring in guests and connect with my listeners from around the world and hear their feedback, how it's impacting and transforming their lives. Uh, it's been very humbling to me. Um, and, of course, as I mentioned, we cover topics that are of interest to me, what I think is necessary for personal development in the context of parenting. These are things I'm interested in learning and uh, myself. So, of course, other people are the same. And so it has become this global community of people, and it has enriched my life in ways that I have, I could have not imagined. And from your experiences as a parent and an educator and a mom and an author and a communications expert, could you give us some ideas about what would be a great Thanksgiving for our kids and our teens? Because it seems like we're so focused in getting the dinner on the table and doing a million things at once that we often just want them to watch TV or watch sports, and we don't have any thoughts about how do we create a thankful environment and a happy day for our kids? Yes, that's a very good question. I think posing and slowing down and, and reflecting with our children perhaps, creating little rituals in our own homes, and whether that's going around and saying what are we grateful for, creating a little gratitude jar. There are many practices people adopt or, you know, these days. If you look online, there's so many gratitude practices and different ways you can engage children. But I'm always a supporter of simple things, doable things that don't require anything. You can just pause and sit down and, uh, you know, maybe have a simple meal and 
go around and talk about the holiday, what it means, what are the origins of the holiday, right? If you have young children, maybe that's a good time to educate them about uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, it's not about just saying, thank you, I appreciate, I'm grateful for, right? It has more meaning. Uh, and we need to take this opportunity to teach our children about uh, our cultural roots, traditions, and create our own family rituals uh, so that they remember uh, with gratitude when they are older, right? And they would say, oh, every Thanksgiving, this is what we used to do. I would say, how would you like to be remembered by your children? Um, so reflect on that and create the experience that you would like for your children to remember years from now. Instead of saying, oh, my mom was so frantic cooking and cleaning for a week, getting ready, and there was always arguments, and she was not happy, you know, uh, and, and things like that. What's important, you know? Will this matter, this experience, whatever you're going through or trying to create in five years from now? Um, I think having that big-picture perspective can, can be grounding for many of us. I think that's a wonderful idea. And I have to tell you, I've come across so many young adults and teens and kids who celebrate Thanksgiving by watching TV. So there's never a sit-down meal with a conversation, or if there's a sit-down meal, it's with some kind of sport feature in the background. And so the idea of just being able to be calm and having an appreciation of the day and having our own traditions, I think, is just so important. Um, and I just want to give you an example. So a lot of my patients think they couldn't possibly change their trends, uh, their Thanksgiving traditions. And so one of them, well, this is a very true story, one of them had an uncle, and I'll call him Uncle Henry. So every year, Uncle Henry and Aunt Edith would show up for Thanksgiving dinner, and they'd bring five bottles of wine. And by the end of the evening, Uber or a taxi had to be called to get them home safely. And every year, I saw this patient once a year after Thanksgiving, my patient would get so upset about the role modeling that this gave her two children. But the catch was that Uncle Henry was a millionaire, and my patient thought that she would be remembered in his will if she put up with them on Thanksgiving because they had nowhere else to go. Do you have any suggestions about how to change this dynamic? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a difficult, that's a difficult dynamic right there. Um, yeah. Again, your intentions, why are you doing things? You know, it sounds to me like the inauthentic, and there is no guarantee that you will be left in the will of this person. What are the costs, right, for tolerating his behavior? And, and as this woman suggests, it's not a good, healthy role model for her children. I think this calls for strong boundaries, uh, re-evaluation of your own intentions, I think, uh, why are you putting up with this? Uh, you don't have to, right? It's easy to say, you know, we can all say what's right in this situation. Um, I personally would not put up with that kind of situation because to me, my family, my children are of priority. 
and I would be guided by that principle rather than something in the future that is uncertain and may not happen, which creates an internal conflict, right, in, in a person. That's why it's called authentic parenting. You need to be remaining true to yourself and aligning with yourself. Um, I would well, set down It suggests that money is the most important thing and that everything else goes by the side if as long as money is a potential reward for putting up with abhorrent behavior. Hmm. And what is it teaching your children, right, as That's, a result? What are you losing hmm. in, in, in the process of putting up? Maybe have boundaries. Maybe have Uncle Henry come, back, come and uh, reduce the amount of um, alcohol that he brings and consumes. That could be yes. a start. You know, we don't want to get rid of Uncle Henry completely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cold turkey, as we may say. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we do. <laughs> we, you know, maybe we can say, you know, this year we decided to do alcohol-free Thanksgiving. And who says you have to have alcohol with every holiday? You can come up that with an excuse. Right? You can have an excuse that I'm taking medication or we are doing an alcohol-free dinner or alcohol-free year. or Everybody now has a different dietary requirement, vegan, sugar-free, low-carb. So people are more open and understanding if somebody says we're having alcohol-free holidays, um, but you're welcome to bring one bottle. Right? That, that's a compromise. That's not completely, no, don't come, you know, we don't like you uh, situation. I, I would reevaluate that situation like that. <laughs> that's a, a good idea. Those are great ideas. Um, I also want our listeners to understand what a parenting coach is. The idea of having a coach could be really unfamiliar to many of our listeners. And would you... Talk about the difference between being a coach and a psychologist and a psychotherapist for us. Yes. Uh, the reason it's, it's coaching, I, I call myself educator. Uh, I don't call myself coach, but what I do with people is a combination of education, coaching, and therapy. Because I come from those backgrounds, I mixed together, and it's very beneficial and helpful for parents especially because if a parent came to me and talked about their experiences, how hard it is, as a therapist, I may listen and listen and listen, but this poor parent goes back to the same household with no practical strategies, how to deal with the temper tantrum of a toddler or how to limit screen time with a teenager or how to have difficult conversations with, with their partner. So the practical aspect for parents is key. They want suggestions and solutions. In my work, what I do is I never tell parents how to parent. That's not my role. Uh, what I help them with is they learn new information, first and foremost. That's the education part, research-based knowledge. They learn new tools and skills, and we practice those skills. They talk about their past and sort of therapeutic aspect is there. But the coaching is very high priority because we want these people to go back and have strategies in their toolbox, how to use those strategies, when to use them. And so people walk out with empowerment that they know that they can do something. 
they're not left alone with just this intellectual understanding of their issues. You know, it's, it's no use. They need to do something in the moment. And I help them develop new ideas, new perspectives, uh, see themselves, their role, uh, their entangled relationship with their teenager perhaps, or, uh, you know, they develop new insights into their own reality, and they come up with new ideas, and I help them with that. Uh, I never tell them what to do. So that's the role that I hold as a, as a parent educator. So do you do coaching over the holidays? <laughs> I Surprisingly, not on Thanksgiving, but after Thanksgiving, oh, oh, yes, no. I am booked solidly. Not on Thanksgiving, but if people want to call me, if there is an issue, my number is on my website, you know. I would be happy to chat with someone who is going through a difficult time for 15, 20 minutes. Uh, yes. And how would they get in touch with you? My phone number is on my website, and it's AuthenticParenting.com. If anybody is going through a severe breakdown or an emergency with their toddler or a teenager and they don't know what to do, <laughs> they can call me. Well, Anna Seawald, I want to thank you again for taking time to be on Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio and for offering so very much insight into how we can possibly create a Thanksgiving that is way more fulfilling than the one we've been doing for years. So please go to um, Anna's Authentic Parenting website and become a part of her interactive audience. And for me, I want to thank my listeners. We welcome your questions. And you can tweet Dr. Shebert with the hashtag AskDrAnn, or you can submit your questions here uh, to DrAnn at AmericasWebRadio.com. I want to wish all of you a Thanksgiving that brings you peace and rest, whatever that looks like to you. A lot of my patients have decided to order in because they just can't put up with the hassle this year. For many of them, 2018 has not been the best year. And so think of outside, think outside of the box about how you are going to create this peaceful day for yourself and your family. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. That you're tuned into and.